podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. and you can hear me. Um, this is a uh, Twitter Space Live reaction to Roy Hodgson being confirmed Palace manager, a.k.a. the worst kept secret in football, um, which Palace have just announced 20 minutes ago. Um, I uh, was trying to get my microphone to work, which is why I um, waited a little bit. So I hope I'm coming through loud enough and clear. I don't know if it's the right microphone, but we'll, we'll see. We'll get there. That's what Twitter Spaces are about. Um, essentially, me getting tech wrong. Um we're going to hear from uh, some FYP people uh, in their reaction to this news. Um, and if you are in the space now, um, I think there's a tweet that you can reply to, I believe, um, to let us know what you think about uh, the reaction. I can see one from Alex Accini who says, no voice slander. <laughs> Alex, will try our best. Uh, no, I think it's going to be fairly positive. Uh, let me try and invite... Um, I can see Dominic Fifield is in the chat. I'll invite him in, and we'll just get some reaction to uh, to Roy being confirmed this season. One year deal for Roy, um, Paddy as his assistant, uh, obviously Ray Lewington as well, um, and um, Dean Kiley. So pretty much the same team that was that was here last season. Um, so let me see if I can get people. Uh, involved in the chat reply to that tweet let us know what you think are you happy are you relieved it's done are you disappointed um let us know what you think about roy being confirmed palace manager we will hear from some fyp people we will uh probably do another pod later on in the week who knows at least we actually got something to talk about now because uh, we were trying to think about what pods to do and um i mean there's literally been no updates uh so at least we've got something to talk about uh talk about now let me see who else i can get into the chat. Dominic, I've invited you. You've not confirmed leaving leaving me on on red, which is, <laughs> which is very rude indeed. Uh, who else can we get into the chat to talk about uh, to talk about Roy? Otherwise it's just me and I think people are gonna get bored of bored of my voice. Uh, let's see if let's look at some of the tweets, see what people are saying. Um, Michael Dunn, I think the number one question is whether there's a transfer budget for him to work with. Excellent question, Michael. And we will put that to FYP people as soon as, uh, as soon as I can work out how to invite them into the call. Uh, but that's an excellent question. And I think that is probably the question that everybody is uh, thinking about at the moment. Um, this is like your granddad trying to do uh, technology. I can't see 
where to invite people. Oh, it says Dom, speaker. I think I'm Dominic, in now. You... I think I'm in. Oh, it's here. Thank, thank God for that. <laughs> um, it's embarrassing. I didn't think I was that old, but I'm really struggling with technology. No, I, How I'm, are you doing, I'm mate? the one that's that old, and I'm the one that was struggling to get in. All is fine. All is fine. And we finally have the confirmation that we've uh, been expecting for weeks, really, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, as I said at the start, it's like the worst-kept secret in football. Um, do we know why Palace have delayed it? I know sometimes it can be, like, boring logistics, and he's lost me. <laughs> this is going swimmingly. I still hear Dom. No, he's lost me. This is great. This is, um, this is, this is what happens on live. It sounds like, sounds like Dominic is making some lunch there of some sort, or is that walking, maybe? I wonder where he is. It's like Challenge Annika. Oh, he's muted himself. Uh, let's see who else we can uh, get in the chat while uh, Dom works out the tech. Dom, are you still there? He's gone. Brackers is here. Let's get Brackers. I'm going to invite Brackers to chat. He's young. He knows how technology works. So uh, let's see if he can uh, join the chat and um, uh, give us a young person's point of view. Hello, Dom. <laughs> Did anyone, can someone check on Dom Fifield, please? Uh, I feel like he might be getting mugged or abducted right now, and all we're hearing is uh, the effect of that. Um, so I hope he's okay. Can someone please confirm that? Um, let's see who else we can get in. Ah, Ruben's here. He's young. He knows tech. Let's see if I can get him to uh, to talk, and will it work? Let's see. It says speaker. Hello. Ruben. Hello. How are we doing? How are you doing? Yeah, good, man. Um yeah, relieved more than anything. What about you? Um, probably the same. Do you know what? No one ever asked me. Thank you. That's very nice. Um, I think relieved is probably the word. I think more, I feel like now we can sort of crack on. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like now's the time to like crack on with it. And actually, Michael, one of our listeners, um, put a question on Twitter. Transfer budget. That's the next question I think people are sort of now now wondering about. Right, we've got the team, in, the, the manager would team in place. The next thing is surely transfers and, and, and strengthening the squad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I say relieved, I kind of, yeah, also mean in the sense that we have a manager and, um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a huge risk. Like, there's no chance of us being burnt again like we were in 2017 with De Boer because um, there weren't really any obvious standout candidates that I was desperate for. So I'm quite happy for this to continue for a year. Obviously, it means... Maybe there isn't a detailed long-term plan, um, but if you need a little bit of continuity before you can, like, while you build that plan, then fine. Um, and you know, as kind of has been reported, the players seem to love him, which is a which seemed to be a big factor in their decision to keep him on. So, um, you know, a happy dressing room goes a long way. Um, so yeah, that's that's my Hodgson take. But yeah, the, uh, the transfer budget, yeah, it's interesting. It feels like uh we might need to sell uh, in order to buy um and obviously we've spoken before about which which of our young stars we'd we'd rather keep and rather sell and obviously i don't really want any of them to leave at the moment but um yeah so i, I mean i have no idea what the transfer budget is uh, however having said that i am pleased with the signing of lerma because um, i think he'll he'll fit right in to to Schlupp's position very well um, were there any other managers that you secretly wanted? I wouldn't have minded Potter. Um, obviously, there's like a little bit of like if he was to be successful at Palace, then there's a little bit of 
Brighton needle there that's quite fun. Um, I wasn't massively keen on Rogers. Um, he, I kind of nothing personal, but well, it, it, it is a it is kind of personal. I just I don't know his personality <laughs> is a little bit. Um, it irks me a bit, but you know, not saying he's a bad person. Um, so yeah, but other than that, like none of none of the names really felt realistic. The kind of uh, the the uh, Adi Hooter, I didn't really know anything about him, so couldn't really offer a. So yeah, not not really. But I, I'd have been I'd have been quite excited had Potter come. But yeah, you know. yeah. The, the overriding thing for Potter for me was I just I just felt like it would have annoyed Brighton fans, mm. which I think is obviously always a good sort of driving emotion. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't massively convinced by. I think I think when you've got someone with the presence of Roy and you know he's going to steady the ship it does make all the other candidates feel a little bit like, is this risky? And we've obviously been burned by De Boer. Um, and I guess in a way with Vieira last season, although sort of less dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so actually, I think the appeal, I think, I think the appeal of Roy outweighs the, um, not disappointment, but the, what's the word I'm looking for? The lack of excitement. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Cause uh, like, it, it, the, the De Boer thing we shouldn't put too much weight on it because it's not like it doesn't mean we should never hire like um, an expansive uh, foreign coach again like obviously we will we should definitely look at um, all different types of manager do it depending on what they want to build but um, yeah there is there's there's an element of, of that kind of safety um, which is in some people's minds maybe dull but um, the football that we played at the back end of last season wasn't dull, so it's kind of it's it's optics are are a little bit boring. But I think uh, like we, we'll we'll continue to be entertained next season. I think so as well, I and mean, I think a lot of it comes down to, and I guess that's probably related to Michael's question, comes down to playing squad. Like we saw last year, or in the last whatever it was, two or three months. Given the players, Roy can get. Good football, he can get results. He can, you know, that was a really fun few few weeks. So really, actually, the pressure's off him. The pressure's on the board and Steve to actually yeah. fill the squad with exciting players. Yeah, I mean, people forget some of the elevens that Roy was having to field in his previous, um, like in his first stint at Palace around sort of the, the twenty twenty mark. Like, um, you know, we I remember we had midfields of like Milivojevic, Kiate, and MacArthur, uh, all of whom were you know, at their peaks, like good players in their own right, but that it, it was a very defensive three. And now, you know, you'd, you'd have one type of player in that mould, potentially two, as a kind of uh, holding player with more attacking players in front of them. And he was kind of hamstrung by that. Um, and, and, you know, the age of the defenders, as I've, I've said multiple times before, um, prevented us from playing, you know, pressing football on the front foot, which now we can do a lot more because of the mobility of the defenders um, and Decore in front of them. So he is he, he's proving a lot of people wrong. Um, I, you know, I had my doubts about um, kind of how we would play when he returned, but um, it seems like um, the morale boost that he gave the team when he arrived, you know, I mean, there's potential that that's a new manager bounce and it might go stale at some point um, in the coming season. But it goes to show the power of um, man- like managing people um, rather than being a tactical genius because he didn't actually change anything that drastically tactically. It was 
um, we we just played with more confidence, which meant that it led to more chances. And we didn't go three games without a shot on target, and we were actually scoring goals. But like <laughs> in terms of like shape and general idea, like it wasn't that far removed from what we were doing previously under Vieira. I really liked the interview that um, Eze did before his England debut, mm. and he talked so. Um, heartfelt about Roy and I love the bit he said look, Roy he said something like Roy treats us like adults or something or talks to us like adults or like grown-ups or something which I wondered if it was a slight well a slight possibly on, on the previous manager but I just like that you can imagine that Roy the respect that not only he commands but he sort of gives it out and I guess in football it's, it's both ways if you give it out you're going to get it back from your players yeah absolutely like the young players, um, I, I suppose the young players in the team at the moment, like, um, you know, Eze and Elise and Gehi, they will see what um, the relationship that Wilf has with, uh, that, that Roy has with Wilfred Zaha, for example, and the the way that Wilf shone under Roy in sort of, you know, 17, 18, 18, 19, those seasons. And um, so they'll see, they'll see that that had happened and, you know, hopefully be given confidence that, that he can do similar with them. Um, I'm not giving Roy too much credit for Wilf's development, but he he really was our, like, as he always is, but he, he was really good under under Roy in the, in the first thing. Um, and yeah, he's just, he just seems like a nice man, you know, who treats people with respect. And he's not like an authoritarian, which can be, you know, like how Jose Mourinho, like some players will fully buy into it and some players will completely go off him. And then it kind of brews this tension, um, which you don't want. So, yeah, I mean, in a, in a similar way to like what Harry Redknapp was um, uh, back, you know, in his prime when he was, you know, at Spurs, let's say. Um, like we spoke to Peter Crouch about this recently, actually, just going to weave in a plug for my own work here. Um, <laughs> where me and Joe Devine on the TIFO podcast interviewed Crouch and Redknapp came up and he was essentially saying, yeah, he simplified everybody's game and he gave me confidence because he just... Uh, that's what you need for strikers, especially. And, you know, while a lot of people doubted Crouch at the time, uh, Redknapp built his confidence back up and then eventually he got, you know, in the England team and moved to Liverpool. So I feel like Roy has a similar um, effect on players, um, probably tactically a bit more sophisticated than he stayed stayed up with, with the times um, more than Redknapp did. But uh, it's a similar kind of um, arm around the shoulder approach. I think that I think that old sort of that Mourinho style of of basically sort of hammering your players into the ground mentally and physically. Um, I think that's died. That's died, isn't it? I don't think that's. I think players want more now from their managers. Yeah, sure. I think that that's that, 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 that's that dinosaur approach has sort of come and gone. Yeah, I mean, you you rarely see it work nowadays. You rarely even see it at all. Like the the managers at the very top of the game are basically always glowing about their players in public and privately they'll you know they'll 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 maybe hammer them after after a defeat but it's never like publicly hanging them out to dry um you know as Mourinho did with Shaw a lot um or whatever and yeah and young players like you know I'm 27 so uh this generation of people let alone like not just athletes but like we kind of we we have different expectations of um how we're treated by peers and, and bosses and stuff and I feel like that applies to normal jobs as it does to as it does to football so um yeah and Roy to his credit has you know he's still managing the Premier League at 75 because he um is such a kind of is such a good people person like I think that's probably the driving factor behind his longevity 
I thought you said buses for a second. I was like, why are you talking about buses? But you, you meant buses. buses. Uh, that's my um, <laughs> that's my earphones. Um, let's get someone else in. Andy Bell. Andy, are you there? Can you unmute yourself? Jim. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Um, how are you feeling this morning? With, with the news. I mean, you can go a life insight if you want, but specifically Roy Hodgson. I'm, I'm very excited, if I'm honest. I think I think this was the right move from the club. I know that's probably going to be unpopular and people will say it's a lack of ambition. But I think given who was available, given that the club had probably spoken to a, a number of candidates, I think this is the right move. I think they're probably waiting in the wings for another manager that has a job in the Premier League currently. And I think in the absence of anyone else, I think Roy's a really good choice. I think it's really interesting to see his quotes this morning as well, saying he's aiming for a top 10 finish. I think that shows where he's at at the moment. Yeah, I can. Uh, Michael's put, I hope Roy doesn't manage Palace the same way Jim is managing Twitter spaces. Yes, thank you, thank you Michael. I think everyone can agree with that. Um, Harsh. That's probably fair, given it's been a bit of a shambles for me, tech-wise. Um, yeah, I saw those quotes, and in fact, Chris Waters, uh, aka uh, Clapham Grand, has tweeted us saying the fact they've simply uh, they publicly stated ambition of top half finish, they have to back him. They have the board have actually sort of backed themselves into, into a corner now, haven't they? By by putting those quotes out, and I saw those quotes as well about the top ten. That means that they are going to have they're, they're going to be having some investment because we know how hard it is to to hit the top ten in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think as well, this just shows from the club, like the club know and, and Parish know how important league experience is. And outside of maybe Potter, who obviously hasn't happened, or Brendan Rodgers, who was available that had that kind of, that level of league experience. So, I'm, you know, I think this is a, a solid move from the club. Um, I've, I, do you know what? I'm absolutely smashing the tech now because I've managed to get Dom and Joe, I think, in. I am trying to add Rob, um, but I can't find him. Um, so apologies, Rob. I'm going to keep trying. Uh, let's go to Dom and see if Dom's tech um, is working. Um, I'm guessing this means, Dom, you weren't abducted. It did sound like you were being mugged earlier, but I'm guessing you're all OK. Uh, can you hear me now? I've, I've recovered yeah. from the mugging. You sound great. You sound fantastic. <laughs> it wasn't out. No, it was out. It was out. Sorry, what were we talking about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> y- yes, right. Yeah. I, I, Chris's point there. We have to back him. Uh, do you not think there's a there's an argument that the board maybe thought that the squad that Palace had already is a top ten squad anyway, and that actually this isn't necessarily a a sign that we that, that the new manager is going to have a lot of money to play within the transfer market and a lot of new players. I, I think it might be just to get the best out of the existing squad. Um, and there's still obviously one big question mark around Palace at the moment, and and that. That is the future of Wilfred Zaha and whether he will be reporting back once he finishes celebrating his wedding, which I think took place this weekend, um, and, and whether he comes back into the into the squad and into availability for for Palace for the season ahead. But obviously, if he goes, then then they would need to fill that void that he left behind, and they they, they also know that Michael Elise is out for a period of time with a very serious hamstring injury. But I, I do wonder whether the the logic behind the appointment of Roy Hodgson again is is merely to get the best out of the players that Palace already have. Uh, there's a question on that from Alex Cheney, who says, "Do you think Roy's appointment makes Wilf more or less likely to resign?" 
it's, it's a really good question. And, and I suppose in the brief appearances that we saw from, from Wilfred Zaha at the end of last season under, under Roy, he did look invigorate, reinvigorated and, and, and happier, although albeit he had a lot of injury issues and didn't really have the impact he would have liked in that, in that 10 game stretch. I, my instinct would be that it might make it slightly more likely, but then I, I do think that Wilfred Zaha is at a point in his career where he might just need a fresh start, something different. And, and it really will depend on the other offers he's got on the table, probably more than the, the identity of the, the Crystal Palace manager. So, that 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 bull's very much in, in Wolf's court, and he has to he has to make a decision at some point. I do wonder whether Palace need to actually put a deadline down and say, "Look, at this point, um, Wolf, we're going to move on, and we're going to assume that you're not re-signing with us, and we're going to we're going to go out and 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 strengthen and try and bring someone else in who's who's going to go some way towards filling the void that you'll leave um, because I don't Palace can, can't afford to let this drag on and on and on the players are back for pre-season today aren't they some of them so I mean it's it's a, a situation that needs resolution although I mean technically he's not a Palace player right now I don't think so if they do no, sign him then as Summer said on Twitter that's like a new signing so um, there you go being back to the transfer market um, let's get Joe Walker I've managed to add in I have added Rob I found Rob um, so we'll get some to Rob in a minute, unless Joe is busy. I think he was grabbing lunch. Uh, Joe, are you there? I am here. I've, I've um, successfully slipped out of uh, a web call, a web meeting. So to join a more Thank you. One. Yes, I appreciate the commitment. We know where FYP ranks in your commitments, uh, and it's clearly number one. Um, how are you feeling? What's your reaction to uh, to Roy, the confirmation? Um, not surprised. I think the longer it went on, it felt like it, it's actually kind of, you could see parallels in the Wolf situation, actually, but more so in the other direction. I feel like the longer it went on without an announcement, I thought the more likely it would be Roy. I could see that we obviously tried to consider some options out there, but I'd long accepted that Roy would come in. And I'm immediately kind of, the, there's no, the anxiety of kind of looking over our shoulder is gone because I can trust him for that. I'm trying to avoid the comfy shoes analogies and all the metaphors again <laughs> but um it's in a positive way i i'm 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 good with that i'm with dom in that the 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 top 10 ambitions i'm happy to hear said publicly i don't know if it's reflective of how the club's ambitions to really support him this summer to get that happen i, I imagine they're of the thinking that this squad in place is supposed to be competing for the top half it was probably an ambition that we outlined, if not publicly, then privately this time last season. So I, I'm not sure of that. Um, and I don't know what difference it makes for Wilf now. I really don't. I'm the, the optimist. I assume he's gone, but the optimist in me is looking at, you know, he's let him have his wedding. I presume there's a honeymoon in the next week or so. And if he, if he says, let me make up my mind in a week's time or two weeks' time even, whether we... Are, are willing to wait that long? We'll see. Um, another thing about him being a free agent, technically, is if if we re-sign him now, if he renews or just signs a new deal with us, does that does that expire any kind of sell-on? I know that we probably wouldn't sell him for much money now anyway. Oh. All these kind of uh, sell-on fees that we were probably due to Manchester United or percentages—that's all out the window now, I suppose. That's a great question. If anybody, any of our panelists know. 
uh, feel free to jump in because uh, I have no idea, but that's a very, very good question indeed. I suspect um, if he's signing a new deal at Palace now, the odds of him then going on to another club for any sort of profit are probably quite low. Yeah. Um, but that's a good question. Uh, let's get let's get Robin um, with a he's got um, a secret new Twitter account. Uh, Rob, are you there? Can you? Unmute yourself. And yeah, join. it's, it's Hello. really secret. You can see by the username that it's very secret. Um, <laughs> I had to I had to go through one of those weird questions where it basically tried to tell me to add up dice to the sum of fourteen, and my my basic maths really struggled with that concept. So <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yeah, I I think it's I think it's a, the the appointment we all knew was going to happen, wasn't it? You know, we all we all had a feeling that that was going to be the case. There was some some talk about um, Paolo Fonseca, um, which would have been really interesting. I think the idea of having a, a, a foreign manager in in many ways and someone who's worked worked for some some big clubs abroad, it, it does seem like an attractive option. And um, I think Potter as well would have been good. But I kind of feel like they would have looked at the performances when Roy came in and would have said, "Well, why are we?" why are we throwing out this when when we could actually just have it uh without having to spend you know money for uh for for essentially paying compensation to Lille or um whichever club it is that you get the the manager from removing all of your coaching staff or the, the ones that the manager would want to work with and appointing a new bunch uh only with the risk of doing what Spurs did which is appoint Nuno and end up sacking him just a few months later and spending a fortune on doing that. I think it's one of those things where they probably just weighed everything up on balance and decided that Roy as a manager with Paddy McCarthy kind of working in the background and learning on the, on the job, someone that they really do rate really highly uh, was probably a more positive step. Um, So it's, it is interesting to talk about top 10 finish. I think Dom made a really good point about the fact that this squad the argument would be that actually we've got enough quality in that team to do that. And um, had it not been for that 17 game run of, of, uh, of, of no wins and, and the, the, you know, the number of games where we didn't even get a shot on target, we, we may well have done, we may well have finished in the top 10. And so I, I, I do wonder with palace fans, we have a, a tendency to be quite overly pe- pessimistic about the players that we have and the squad that we have. And I understand the fear about, the fullbacks and you know the the, the lack of a right back uh, signing is is problematic perhaps, but I, I, th- I think Roy actually showed that actually Joel Ward and Nathaniel Klein are, are perfectly adept at doing that job for the time being, um, and the focus is clearly going to be on on if they are going to make a signing, it will be a striker potentially, and, and spending a, a, a significant sum of money on that. Um, but yeah, the, the whole Wilfred Zaha situation is an interesting one because I feel like I, I'm conflicted because I really I want him to sign a new contract and I, I think he deserves a move to a bigger club. But if he ends up rocking up at someone like West Ham, I, I, West Ham are a bigger club than Crystal Palace without a doubt, but I would feel a little bit cheated. I'd feel a little bit disappointed and, and the thought of seeing him at Sohurst Park wearing another team's kit well, it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable but um, hopefully he'll sign a new contract and if, if he doesn't then you know, I, I think he goes with, with our best wishes unless he ends up at somewhere like Brighton which let's be honest he's not going to do that. Oh, I mean I can't firstly can't believe you said West Ham are bigger club than Palace in, in a public they board. They, um, they, play in a, they play in a 70,000 capacity stadium they just won a European competition. Palace are nowhere well, near. That we, that we hope. <laughs> not yet. 
Well, anyway, really quick, we're going we're to break in a minute because I'm going to get some lunch. We might jump on later on this afternoon and do a part two. I know Jack uh, wants to join in later on. Uh, really quick update from Ruben. I was going to ask him what's that, what he got for lunch. Tuna sandwich and grace. So uh, solid lunch there. Um, Andy, let's come back to you really quickly because a few people are asking about Paddy McCarthy, uh, who's obviously part of the team. Jack, I said Paddy to train up for, uh, Roy to train Paddy for next year. Um, Nick Philpott does the appointment paper way for Paddy next year, and Michael Dunn is the Paddy uh, is Paddy a succession plan? And in the hope the succession plan isn't akin to the Logan Roy family, which is a lovely little nod to succession. But I am actually finally watching; it's very good. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on, on Paddy? I think I think it's it's a really nice kind of romantic idea, but I think in honesty, I think it's really unrealistic. I think given the how hard it is to manage in the Premier League, given that he has no other experience. I just think it's so unlikely. And if you look at the club's track record in hiring and firing managers, you know, Steve has often gone out there, if you look at De Boer or, you know, even Vieira, he's taken chances, but he's always reverted back to that league experience and how important it is. So I think it's great for Paddy. I think it's great for the club that someone's involved that that loves the club and understands it and understands the fans, and also got, you know goes back to that promotion squad and and how important that was and still is to the club. But I think to think that we get to the end of this season, Roy bows out, Paddy takes over the reins, and everything is rosy is pretty unrealistic, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's great for the club right now, but I, I can't see it being the future, in in my opinion. I mean, I guess, uh, let's bring Dom back in. I guess um, uh, it's a fair point from Andy, especially about the experience. I guess managers have to get experience somewhere. So Paddy has to get it at some point, maybe not in the Premier League. But um, what are your thoughts on him, I guess, being part of the team or maybe part of a succession plan? I completely agree with Andy. I I think that uh, at some point, Paddy McCarthy will probably fly the nest and go and, and learn management senior management first team management at a league one or a championship club but he'll he'll go with a wealth of experience that he's he's picked up from from Roy Hodgson in in the 10 games at the end of last season and and the the season ahead um I I think he'll he'll be he'll be well armed with with that experience um but I don't think you I, I don't think you really go from that that sort of academy assistant manager route into a into a first team management head coach role at a Premier League club of Palace's size. Look, there will be examples out there where it has happened and it's worked. But I think that the the, the risk and reward at, at Palace is just too great. Um, it's you know relegation would be would have major implications for Palace, and I don't think they would want to to put somebody with that level of experience in that type of position. But look at giving him a schooling under under Roy and, and learning from somebody that's been in the game since the mid seventies as a, as a as a as a first team manager. That's that's completely invaluable. Yeah, um, it, he would, of course, be the first FYP uh, panellist to get the Palace manager's job, uh, if that happens, until, of course, Chelsea gets the nod. Um, so it'd be pretty big. Did, Kevin, did, did Keith Millen not ever come on the off? Oh, yeah, Keith Millen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, caretaker, though, isn't it? Same for Paddy last time. But no, you're right, you're right. Poor old Keith, I always forget about Keith. Um, guys, we're going to take a quick break here. Well, I say quick break. We're going to end this live uh, because I need to go and uh, have some lunch. Uh, we might jump on later on um, 
as a, as a little part two, and then we'll put this out as a podcast so people can listen. Just quickly going through the tweets uh, of people that have sent that stuff. Everyone seems much like our panelists today, pretty sort of relaxed, nonplussed, appreciated short term. So everyone's seeming pretty relaxed for once. Uh, I haven't properly delved into Twitter. So I imagine there's some sections that aren't like that, but it's nice to see everyone sort of fairly relaxed about stuff. So uh, pretty rare for Twitter, but there we go. Um, thank you very much for listening to this space. We'll be back on the afternoon with the, with the part two, but until then, enjoy your lunches, whatever you're having, and um, we'll see you again soon. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. We are, for the most part, a reactionary society. If your neighbor has a break-in, you think about getting an alarm. If your buddy gets laid off, you say, I better buckle down at work. If banks start closing, you may want to ask yourself if you should keep most or all of your money in a bank. It may be time for a portfolio protection plan. It may be time to have a little personal gold reserve. Go to www.oxfordgoldgroup.com to learn more. When it comes to business travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Oh, sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold meetings or the Michelin dining or the innovative industries that'll make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at Orlando for Business. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials.
Hello. Yes, it's working. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to um, this evening record. It's quarter past seven on Monday night. Uh, second part of our Twitter space reactions to Roy Hodgson returning as manager for another crack at the whip. Um, it's been, what, seven hours now since the news has happened, so a bit more time to digest. Uh, so this will be a slightly more, much like our weekly pod, a bit more of a, uh, uh, I don't know, a bit more of a relaxed review of it, maybe. Who knows? Um, we're, again, going to have some FYP people. Uh, Jack Pierce is here, I think, and has joined us. I'm going to invite him again uh, to speak and um, give us his thoughts. Uh, and then if you... Go look on Twitter. I think you can reply to the tweet that I've just sent out um, to this and let us know what you think as well. Um, and then we can read your tweets out. And that's about as live as it gets. Uh, Jack, hello. Hello. How All are right. you? Are you having more success than you did at lunchtime? <laughs> just about. <laughs> don't don't jinx it. I mean, it's it's a good start so far, but let's not uh, let's not jinx the uh, the tech. Um, how? Uh, you, well, we got everyone else's reaction this morning to, to Roy coming back. What's, what was your reaction to hearing the news that it was actually confirmed? Uh, well, given that we all thought it was kind of a done deal, it was a bit kind of underwhelming, but good to have it announced and good to see pictures of him in the training gear this afternoon. So he's back at the, back at the training ground and the players have got some degree of direction. Um, and I think it might be a couple of days earlier than Patrick Vieira's appointment a couple of years ago. So the club have at least managed to to be a little bit earlier than that but yeah we've all known this is happening for at least the last week and, and a lot of Palace fans suspect it's going to be the case since the end of last season given how the season ended so I'm relatively relaxed about it I've been relatively relaxed about the prospects of Roy coming back since Roy returned and, and saw the uplift in our form, form anyway so um, it's just now a case of, of kind of doing what they need to do to the squad because that score's got big gaps, um, so intrigued to see what happens between now and the start of the season. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'd forgotten about the timing of the Vieira one, so there, listen, this club's just going up and up and up, <laughs> learning learning from past mistakes and, uh, and absolutely smashing it. Um, I will say that training gear that you uh, mentioned, very nice, do you, do very you nice training gear. So, yeah, I like it. I, I think it's, you're a, uh, you're a yeah. sucker, Are you not well, a, fan? You're a sucker for training gear. I am. I'll be buying it off Vinted in 18 months' time for 15 quid. I can't wait. Um, uh, it's interesting. I was just As you were talking, I was just thinking about... Um, so I've had a lot of time to think about my, my reaction to Roy. And in fact, I, I was a bit... Because I knew it was happening. And I guess we had a bit of those feelers sent out in the press a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, in last week. And then I think in a way we all... There was no shock to it, no surprise. We all sort of knew it was going to happen. And it's quite rare for a managerial appointment to be like that. Oh, someone's ringing me. Sorry, I'm just going to decline it. Incredible timing. For a summer appointment to be like that, because normally in summer, I'm not sure the last time we really had it, because you, you get a manager comes in, and it's normally a new manager, and then you get the week or so of, oh, a bit of a buzz of new manager, and what does he play like? And, you know, we might get fans on the pod from his previous clubs, and... Um, what can we expect and what's he like around the training well, the bloke, ground? The bloke who's, there's none of that. The bloke time. who's call you just declined bit... was uh, president of the Malmo Fan Association, so uh, you, should, you should have held on. <laughs> um, so it, it's a slightly, yeah, I guess it's a slightly different one, isn't it, given that um, we've sort of been here before. So there's none of that. It, it's, it's, almost, it's almost a sort of 
a quick raised eyebrow and sort of okay, crack on. I don't even know if it's a raised eyebrow to be honest. Um, it's, it's quite good that he had that time with the players that he hadn't seen in his previous tenure. So there's very little to to surprise him in terms of the playing staff, and and he can kind of contribute ideas. Obviously, recruitment is led by someone else, and and Dougie will be doing what he's doing in the background. Already secured a, a very good free transfer in Jefferson Lerma. So I guess it will be a case over the next week or so, players starting to drip back into the first team. The question of whether Wilfred Zaha will ever return as a, a kind of paid-up player at the club rather than somebody who uses the facilities as he's looked like for the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, lots of lots of things for Roy to kind of get to grips with, but we, we can trust that he will get to grips with them and, and will be competitive from the, uh, the first day of the season, albeit acknowledging that squad certainly needs some more additions. Yeah, um, when I had that phone call come in just now, it knocked my earpods off. So mm. now you're coming through well, you the main speaker. Better, you, so yet you again, sound now than you did. I'm having. So. Do I? Yeah, it's all Mr. Mallow's fault. Yeah, it's all good. I'm having tech issues again. <laughs> I, just, I just can't deal with this modern technology. How long, how, long, of... how long would a podcast be if we listened to 10, 15 minutes from every from a fan from every club that Roy's been at previously? It'd be good to get the Watford perspective. That'd be fun. Yeah, I think that'd be quite short, wouldn't it? I think that'd be quite a short-lived perspective. How many clubs has he managed? God, no, it's, it's too late. He's managed in eight countries. Yeah, I, I would that. guess uh, 14 or 15 clubs would be my guess. Maybe too bad. It might be too many, actually, given his international credentials, but probably double digits in terms of clubs, for sure. What? Where? Do, which club do you think of his post-clubs given him the best? We know Watford are going to give him the worst review. Which of the other clubs are giving him the best, if we've got a fan on, give him the best review? It's got to be... Hampstead or Malmo, you'd imagine, wouldn't it? You would think. Yeah, that's going to be. They're going to be some really old <laughs> Swedish dudes. <laughs> Swedish, that's the summer content, and everyone's listening out for that. Is that's exactly what I, that's exactly what we need to get listeners listening to. Just some old Swedish guys talking about the seventies. <laughs> oh man, what a time! Um, yeah, I, I, I named this space. Um, Joe's here. I'm going to get. I'm going to invite Joe in as well. Um, I named this space. What's next? You know, Roy's back, what's next? Because I think that is kind of, even the vibe this morning, that was kind of just where everyone's mind seemed to be. And I guess because we knew it was happening. And because Roy, the managerial spot was one of many sort of boxes that need to be ticked or, you know, forms that need to be filled out. These are bad analogies, but or things that need to be sorted. So I think really there is no honeymoon period. There is no chance for us to be like, oh, you know, Roy's back or even what can we look forward to? We know what to look forward to. Really, it's a chance now for us to, or the club. And Dom made the really good point, or maybe it's Dom and Andy, or Andy, I can't remember, that by saying that uh, we want to get top 10, the club have now given themselves not just, well, not just a target. I thought, and I saw someone put on Twitter that um, it's great to have ambition, but it's, they've slightly now given themselves a failable target. Because if they now don't get top 10 next season, is that kind yeah, of a failure? Yeah, but don't you think they have to, surely they have to say something along those lines. I mean, if they if they didn't say anything, then we'd all be accusing them of saying nothing. And if they said anything other than not a top half finish, we'd all be saying, isn't it ridiculous they're not aiming for a, a top half finish? I mean, the truth yeah. is, we weren't that far off it in terms of league position last year. You know, we, we finished 11th, so it is within reach. It just requires, you know, sustaining the approach in terms of the transfer market, maybe holding our nerve in terms of you know holding on to saleable assets depending on the the value of offers made for certain players mark gay 
Ebrichella as a less so Michael Elise, given that he's injured now. Um, and and then probably what happens with Wilfred Zaha and what we do with that with that money if we don't have to spend it on on Will's wages. So, you know, there are some dependables in that. But I, I think a, a top half finish is certainly achievable. I don't think they've said anything particularly outlandish. Had we finished seventeenth like Everton last season and survived on the last day of the season, I think it would be pure speculation from the board's part and, and probably a little bit of um, faux truth to it if they said, oh, we're aiming for a top half finish. But I think having finished eleventh last year, it's it's an achievable target. I mean, you're literally asking to finish one place higher and most likely only collect three to four points more than you did last season to have a, a tangible chance of reaching that. Yeah, I mean, the irony being Everton fans probably will be demanding top 10 uh, this season. <laughs> they'll be lucky, they'll be, they'll be lucky if they put 10 players on the pitch next season. Yeah, well, quite. Shows what we're doing. Um, we're not in that kind of mess. Uh, Joe, let's get you back in if you're available to unmute yourself. Um, any any change from your mood from this morning? Not really. I'm I'm kind of yeah. There's there's no like bells or whistles. There's, there's no frills to it, really, is there? But I'm um, if anything, I mean, look, we. I remember being really kind of anxious. Uh, Vieira's appointment being. I think like the first or second of July as well. And that being feeling like it was really late. And yes, there were extenuating factors um, with various managers turning us down or pull to like backing out of deals at that time before we settled on Vieira. But it still felt very late that he sort of barely got his feet under the table and preseason was underway. Um, Whereas with Roy, I guess, I imagine, well, the report suggested that he agreed this before he went on holiday and it was just about an official unveiling. But I guess when it's someone who's already been working with them prior to the break, then it's that kind of late appointment doesn't feel quite as bad. Um, I'll tell you one thing, I apologize for covering old tracks, because I, I, I missed the start of the, the last sort of space. Did you cover... Obviously, Paddy McCarthy's assistant, there's suggestions of getting his education um, sort of increased and accelerated, possible succession planning. But does it also possibly point to Ray Lewington kind of (laughs) maybe wanting to do a little bit less work? You know, his his vocal cords are going a bit. You can't have to scream as often. Um, We did cover that, but that didn't come up, actually. And I hadn't appreciated until after the space when I then read the website that yeah Paddy is assistant and Ray is first team coach yeah or something and, and, and Ray's Ray's not Ray's Ray's got a sort of a few good few years of Roy but even so I imagine I don't, you know they can't they seem to come as a pair but he might be thinking oh really again <laughs> I don't know <laughs> well it'd be weird Jack wouldn't it seeing one without the other uh, yeah, um, I, I think it might just be semantics, and it may be um, a little note to Paddy McCarthy that he's an important part of, of what we did well towards the end of last season. And who, I've always been a bit sceptical about this notion of succession planning. I think you know Joe and I have discussed this with you on the on the pod. The idea that a club in our position can can plan that far ahead. I mean, it's only three or four months ago that you know we were hoping that Patrick Vieira would be steering us into this season and very quickly we had to make the decision that we made regarding his future so I think for the club to be in a position where we're planning 12 months ahead to you know pass the the mantle on to Paddy McCarthy is is maybe for the birds but we'll, we'll see where we are in 12 months time but he's, he's certainly going to get a wonderful education and you know if he is 
kind of learning from not only Roy Hodgson, a man who's got an unbelievable uh, CV in terms of, of management across the continent, across the world, you know, in terms of coaching, Ray Lewington is is a very good person to be learning from. Again, a, a man who in his latter part of his career has has learned directly next to, to Roy, but, you know, he's built his own career himself. So it, it's a really great education for Paddy and, and whether it's Palace who benefit from it or perhaps maybe more likely a, a championship or a league one club in the next couple of years, then they'll be well served by that experience and the apprenticeship that Paddy's doing right now. I think it's really important also that Dean Kiley has been uh, maintained as well. Clearly there's a, it's almost like a separate department. We've heard Selzy talk about that in, in previous um, pods and previous seasons, but the goalkeeper department is almost a, a separate department entirely. So for Dean Kiley to continue working with goalkeepers that he's been working with for a number of, of years now and Sam Johnson just for the last one, but it, it's very important um, that there's that continuity as well. So I think in terms of a, a coaching staff, it's very well set, very well balanced, clearly very well experienced. And maybe Paddy is the one that brings that kind of greater youth and energy that, that, the uh, the cohort probably benefit from. Uh, I'm back on the headphones now, so I'm going to sound bad again. Don't don't ask me what's happening. Uh, it, my, my Twitter's got its mind of its own. Um, there was a there's a, good, a couple of articles on the Palace website, and one of them is about uh, Roy's journey, I guess, and I think it's called like Roy Hodgson, one of our own, or something, and about him sort of going full circle from watching Palace on the terraces as a teenager and stuff, and. Uh, Hey, you were just talking there about sort of like, you know, Roy's experience. And it it, it details like um, him in, in Sweden and him in Switzerland and him with Blackburn and him taking Fulham to Europa League final. And then there's one sentence where it goes, and then he managed Liverpool and West Brom. So anyway, and then he got the England job and they took him to Compton. I, mean, I, mean, yeah, I know West Brom fans who hold him in as much high regard as we do. So that's a bit unfair to his time at West Brom. But yeah, certainly his, uh, his time at Liverpool probably best served with just one sentence. Yeah, um, I've got a question. Uh, Joe, I come to you for this this question. We've had a couple of people tweet us. Um, who are Jack H? Hey, Jack H says he'll go back. Hello, Jack H. Sorry, um, he'll go back to his cautious ways. I'm afraid. I'm not sure there's anything um, from the last spell that was cautious. No, I mean there's there's a. Uh, the, I guess now he knows he's here for a more prolonged period of time he, he may be more inclined to be like okay look here's some things I think we need to work on there might be some things he wants to play into but what I, I thought that last spell showed and hopefully it's something that Roy's kept in is that you know actually with better players he he has different approaches and he's kind of just playing playing it as it lies in terms of what he's got in front of him and uh, mixing metaphors there. But, you know what I mean? I feel, I feel like the the last spell, the first spell, towards the end, it was very much kind of a necessity having to play some quite sort of slow, aging centre-backs and then just suddenly this very explosive counter-attack style really relying on kind of Townsend and Zahar to, to get away and hold up the ball, create something. Whereas I, I feel like we no longer have to do that now. Obviously, things are subject to change. If there's players, as well as Wilf, whether he goes or not, if, if a centre-half is sold, if, if somebody else is sold, who this uh, backup for uh, Elise is, if there is someone brought in, I still think it wouldn't be great enough to drastically change to a more kind of super pragmatic style. I just don't think it would make sense with those players, really. 
And I, I you know, I, I feel like even fans, well, you said Jack mentioned West Brom there, having a really good time there. He got the England job off the strength of that spell and had them sort of took over in the, in the bottom three and took them comfortably mid, like sort of halfway up the table. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like they wouldn't say that he necessarily played negative football. A lot of the training, thats I remember that, that being a thing that came up a lot, was that his training can be quite repetitive, really kind of methodical and boring, but 10 weeks in, suddenly you realise everything that you were being told was being applied in the, in the games in real time, and suddenly everyone's on board with it. But it's just about whether you're patient enough. Everyone's worked with him long enough now, where maybe that's not really an issue. Jim, come in. <laughs> She's done a runner. Yeah, we'll take issues. Done. I think you're. I've, I was just looking back at the um, the final lineup um, uh, of that 2020 season. So uh, the the kind of pandemic, just to kind of get, yeah. give a snapshot. Obviously, towards the end of his spell, we know about. But you know, even a year before he finished, his midfield two were James McArthur um, and James McCarthy as a when he was playing in a, a kind of four four two system. Um, and when he had those players at his disposal, you could understand why he was playing the way he was. But then, look forward to next season. He's, you know, going to start the season with a midfield three of Czech Decore, Jefferson Lerma, and Ebrich Eze. In terms of market value, you're probably looking at 120 million pounds worth of player there. And I, I think that is probably the the best argument that that we can give that he probably will play in a different way to what we saw towards the end of his spell in both 1920 and the 2021 season. Simply because he's got better players. I know it's so simple to say, but he's got better players who can play a more expansive style, who can get about the pitch a lot quicker and a lot more mobile. So I'm 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 really excited to see what happens with with that. Um, and my, my only criticism of Roy in the ten game spell that he had towards the end of the season came at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium when I just felt we kind of saw a return to Roy being the most respectful manager in the Premier League by almost just accepting um, a one 0 defeat. Um, against a bigger or, you know, high-profile opposition. And, and that was a criticism sometimes Lord uh, kind of left at him in his first spell. And then that was the only kind of minor frustration I had in that 10-game spell. Obviously, the, the biggest concern for us was to get away from the relegation scrap, and we did. So um, it kind of paled into insignificance. But I just hope we don't, over a 38-game season, that obviously we will be playing, you know, more high-profile teams more regularly than Roy did in that 10-game spell, given that I think... Spurs was the only kind of top typical top sixteen that we played in in that Pretty in much, that yeah. six weeks. So um I'm I'm hopeful we don't see a too respectful Roy and I just hope he throws caution to wind in that sense, albeit keeping us set up nicely and um are on the front foot against teams. But I you know, I, there's so many positives from that ten game spell. No more so than the imperious form of Everreach Airsay to the point where he, you know, earned his England debut. So I'm really excited for August. I, I think the, the squad will be supplemented. I think everybody expects it to be. Obviously, there is the unknown about Will, who this evening has been rumoured to um, announce that he's agreed deals with four separate teams and four separate continents. So we'll see what happens with with him. Um, but we'll, we'll um, you know, we've got an exciting start to the season. We've got some winnable games. We've got some tough games. But 
you, you know that Roy will have a set up and, and hopefully the the club do right by him and by us by by supplementing a, an already decent squad with some some additional talent. Yeah, I was just trying to kind of think of other things that were different in this second kind of well this interim spell Roy had that kind of just proves that we've not got blinkers on. I'm, I'm thinking about even the subs. Do you remember that Roy would get pelters for his subs, and I, I feel like. He was not. It wasn't a drastic change, but he was certainly a little bit more proactive in terms of his changes. I mean, the Leicester game's kind of an example of that of Mateta getting on. Sometimes we wouldn't see a change in a game if we were going behind until the second got. We'd have to go two behind before a change was made. I feel like that. There isn't really much evidence of that this time around. Am I? Am I kind of? Rewriting his. No, I think the subs is one area, and also look at the his use of fullbacks. I think. Um, the average position of our fullbacks in that that spell under Roy at the end of last season, you, you'd imagine the positioning of the fullbacks was completely different to where they were um, towards the end of Roy's first spell. Um, that new Brazilian right back that we've got, Wardinho, he's something else, and and Tari Mitchell had a bit of a rebirth under Roy and Ray too. So, um, I, well, quite, two, yeah. two good examples there, I think in terms of like fullback and, and substitutions, which kind of indicate that if if Roy has got kind of the, the facets to put us on the front foot and make us a better team, then then he will do, and he won't be frightened to do so. Um, you know, the only concern I have about that is obviously we are quite light in kind of squad depth and um, and that bench can sometimes look very, very weak. And I just hope we don't return to the days of people shouting for Brandon Pierre to make his debut simply because he's the only option we have on the bench. But time will tell. Obviously, the well, academy's in a stronger place anyway, so if any youngsters do make the step up from academy into the first-team squad, then... You'd imagine they're going to be a better bet than what we've had previous, but um, I, I think Roy will use his bench wisely. I, I always felt that with Roy's use of the bench, it was because of that's what he had available to him. I don't think it was a reluctance right. to make substitutions. I just sometimes think there weren't really the options to make the type of changes that he wanted to make. Um, but I know that that was a regular criticism. And when you're, you know, nil-nil or one-one with seventy minutes gone, you want changes from the bench because that's the dynamic change you have available to you and. Sometimes he was slower than most fans would have liked him to have been. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. You know, I feel like the start of the season is often when uh, it's, it's really the bookends of seasons where you see some younger players maybe be in the mix a bit if they've had an impressive preseason or a signing hasn't come in because we're trying to sort of hit the bargain being close to deadline as possible. And I've, I've seen quite a few just mentions now of, particularly with Elise's injury, whether that puts a pin on any kind of Draxaki loan move until mm. further notice. Um, I'm not someone that's clamming for him to get in the team. He's had an excellent loan spell. I think it's a huge jump. I like him. I, I just definitely want him around. And I, I, I'm really excited for where he's going to be in a year, let's say. But um, do I want him? Well, we could, I guess this preseason is going to give him a, a huge opportunity. I guess then if we're focusing on things to maybe criticise uh, Roy for maybe in a previous spell. Again, it was players like Brandon Pierrick, but uh, playing youngsters at that time, given the lack of depth, wasn't that frequent. Although when someone was good enough, when it was an Aaron Wambaseka, it that was it. They were in the team until, for, until kind of they were sold. Mm. So I guess this time around, yeah, you know, the, the the different levels have been winning all kinds of trophies and tournaments and doing really well. I mean, Jacob, I don't, know, I don't know if it's been discussed on the pod actually. That Jacob Bryan was reportedly reportedly the subject of like a, a million pound bid from 
one of the French club, Trois, Trois, yeah. I think, who um, are in the Man City yeah. group. Um, and I mean, when was the last time we had someone that's never played in the first team be sort of spoken about that kind of money? I just can't. It's the sort of talk that gets Steve Parrish very happy, that guy. So, uh, oh, you know. I uh, but I mean, I think a lot will be told in, in towards the end of, of July. Uh, beginning of August, when football league clubs are starting their competitive season to see which Palace players have made that that loan move. You mentioned Jez, who clearly had a wonderful season at Charlton last year, and you know the ideal would be that he continues his development, maybe playing Championship football. And it, it was rumoured that a deal was pretty much agreed with Ipswich in terms of him going there and, and joining a very attacking team, which I think would obviously suit him, and, and he would be on the front foot getting a lot of the ball. So that would be ideal. I'd, Recall towards the end of last season, Selzy and, and Dom on a post-match pause. Um, sign up here if you're not a patron. Um, but they were talking post, post. Uh, I think Everton about you know maybe the approach with with loans with loans out would be just to maintain development of certain players. Killian Phillips is another one had a really, really solid second half of the season um, with uh, with Shrewsbury and the idea that he would maybe come back into the fold. Um, again, might be a bit too early. Maybe a, a, a season-long loan in the Championship would serve him well. He's got a bit of a complicated contract situation, though. But if, if we are able to embed youngsters into the squad at the right time, then that's the ideal. Um, and you don't really want them kind of being the plaster over holes in the squad if there are you know ways of supplementing the squad with players that are ready and, and fit ready to go. I think one one example that, that Roy got accused towards in the last season of perhaps not managing as well as he could do was the Ahamada situation and Ahamada had shown glimpses under yeah. Patrick Vieira of, of of nice moments and he could clearly you know play a play a bit and, and move the ball quite nicely he looked good with the cameos that he made but under Roy I, I don't believe he made a single minute appearance so that's a, a case in point um, and, and that's an investment the club have made of over £10 million so the, the jury will be out on Roy and his youth and his use of youngsters because he you know, didn't have the most uh, effective use of them uh, in his first spell, albeit he did give Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Tyreek Mitchell their debuts. But I think with the better calibre of youngsters that we have now, due to the kind of academy's evolution over the last five years or so, there will be more option for him to, to use. David Ozo is another one who made his Premier League debut last year. What do we do with him? Does he mm-hmm. go and get a Championship loan move or, or may he well be the kind of additional option in the middle of the park? But it's a great place to be if you've got starting to develop players, whether they're players like Jake O'Brien, who may well be moved on for, for money when he's never made a Premier League appearance or a first-team appearance for us, that's great. Or whether you're able to start thinking about the development of these players with loan moves or whether they come straight into the first-team squad. Jack Rawls Morrison is another one. Had a very strong season last year. What does he do? Um, but it's tough, that that step up. You know, you only got to look at someone like David Omalabu, who two or three years ago we were thinking he's going to be the next one to kind of step up into the first team and he was released at the end of last season so there's no guarantee of any of these these youngsters but you, you've got to trust the the end game for players that have you know developed so much during the academy is that the, the club do right by them at the end of their spell whether that's moving them into the first team or whether they're kind of moved on elsewhere in the in the professional game yeah we can afford to be a bit more patient now because of the position we are as a club, yeah. you know, I, I feel like there's some people if they if they're not getting into the team now, we probably have to cut them loose a while back. Whereas now, you can give you can you can give Joe Whitworth as much time as he yeah. needs, knowing that at the other end of two or three loan deals that he's going to be exactly where he needs to be as a professional. 
uh, or a potential professional, you know, beyond, you know, for the next however many years. I even thought about it just as an aside. We're getting a bit, I'm, uh, I don't want to take it too much of in a different direction. I don't know if you saw today that um, Tom King, who is yes. our academy yes. keeper, he's just signed for Wolves. Um, and he didn't make the grade at Palace. I think we sold him to, I think he, we just released him at the end of his at 18 and he went to Millwall and he's sort of had a decade of league football. Um, and it occurred to me that he was on the books at Palace the same time as West Fodderingham. Who's, oh, right. Yeah. Who also didn't play for Palace, went on loan to like Bromley and then from there played at Swindon with the Canyo, yeah. Rangers, Rangers. Yeah, yeah. Years at Rangers with... Uh, Warburton and then um, is it Sheffield United? Is now Sheffield yeah. is now Sheffield United. Yeah. yeah, so there's a bunch of ex Palace Academy keepers in the league. Like sometimes you just at that level at the time where we were, we didn't have time to give sort of 18 year old keepers like five years and hope that it kind of works out. Sometimes it's like if you're not playing now, you've got to move well, on. And I feel like we're in a little bit better position. Yeah, now. I mean, the sh- shout out another one of uh, the cell stable Tom King. I think that's a great. You know, his, his journey back to Premier League football is. He's great, and you know, we encourage anyone who's suffered in, in the game to, to stick with it, and, and their time will come. Uh, just shout out to Lance Cronin if he's listening. Hopefully, one day your day will come as well, Lance, but um, maybe, maybe not. Um, but yeah, it's great to have that. And I think the fact that we're talking about loan signings of the youth squad it kind of just indicates on the day that a manager's been appointed, kind of just sums up how relatively underwhelming the appointment is. But it's because we all we, also how difficult it is to find any kind of real. Worry yeah, well, exactly. Like, that's you know, what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. you know we haven't got a litany of, of issues to discuss because we, we've talked the, the prospect of Roy's appointment to death towards the end of the last season, and, that, and now I think most Palace fans have just made their peace with it, and now we just need to get on with it and see what what Roy in twenty three twenty four looks like, and and all the hope is he carries on with the, the good stuff from the end of last season and, and is able to kind of improve upon that, given the the additions to the squad that we all hope are going to be coming. Um, I guess the next stage of the summer discourse is whether or not those signings are made and whether the squad is supplemented to the need. But there's uh, there's weeks and podcasts to come for that. And I think today we just need to kind of be be relieved that the announcement's been made and that, that Roy is in place and, and we'll go from there. Um, I mean, clearly Jim was so bored of the chat about, but Roy's just disappeared and just left it to us, Joe. <laughs> I am I am here. I am here. The pre- the previous time I was trying to I was talking to you but I'd muted myself, um, which I think is the most boomer thing I've ever done in my life. Um, so I apologise. But you guys, it was like just a minute. You guys just carried on absolutely flawlessly. Oh god, I just made it worse, haven't I? Sorry. Um, farmer's question. Gar- that was really a really interesting. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> It's like university challenge. No, come on, everyone knows that one. Um, uh, guys, a really interesting, really interesting stuff. And actually, it was very, it was very interesting <laughs> listening rather than uh, talking. Um, I'm going to, if it's okay, uh, we've had a request for someone to join, Tony G. Um, and I'm going to invite Tony in, which, which I think makes this our first ever phone-in pod, uh, which we have never done in 15 <laughs> years. So let's see what. Let's see what happens. All right, I'll be Robbie. I'll be Robbie Savage. You be Chris oh, Coleman. God, Chris Coleman. Chris Sutton. Chris Coleman. I will not be Chris Coleman. You be Simon Jordan. I don't have the I don't have the melancholy to be Chris Sutton either. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll try and play best. But yeah, let's let's do it. Let's get let's get Tony okay. involved. Let's, okay. Well, Tony, are you there? Oh, he's muted himself. Tony, unmute yourself. That's the sort of thing I do. Connecting. Here we go. Well, the technology yet again is uh, 
is man of the match today. Really? Uh, there we go. Well, it's Tony's connecting, so we'll see what happens. Um, Joe, if I could, really quickly, one of the other tweets that we had was, oh, Luke, Luke Cooper, who I think when I started saying, at the start of the pod saying, what's next? Uh, saying the Wilf situation is next. I know you both sort of just touched on the, the Wilf thing. Um, the four clubs that Jack referenced, which is a report on Sky that he's accepted deals from four clubs. Do you, have you seen this, Joe, or would you like to guess who the four clubs are? I, I have I have seen it. Um, it's, yeah, four, four, four agreements in principle. I think it was oh, Lazio, Fernabache, and Al Nazir, or Al yeah. Nasser, sorry, which is that is, is that Cristiano Ronaldo's Ronaldo club. Right? Yes. Oh, um, and so the suggestion oh, is. Are we the fourth then? He's kind of told them, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. we're the fourth, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think the suggestion is he's gone, or his agent has said, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, sounds good to us. We'll be back to you in a week. And has done it to everybody. Um, I was saying earlier, it reminded me when I, about 10 years ago, I was working in music. And uh, this kid from Croydon called Stormzy was was uh, really exciting, and I was like, right, let's talk to his manager. And there were about five people running around claiming that they were his manager. None of them knew each other, none of them have ever met. But Stormzy was going, if you can get me my re-, like, basically saying to anyone that was was offering, if you can get me a record deal or whatever, if you can get me this, that, and that, yeah, you could be both. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite happy to let all these people running around do the work for me and claim that I'm theirs as if they get bring back anything good to see what happens. And I feel like that's how this looks, really. I think he's shopping around, keeping everyone on a string until he makes up his mind, really. It strikes me that, you know, then maybe he's kind of hoping for a better offer still from somewhere. Mm. I feel like Palace, Palace's position strengthens the more time passes, really. Whether or not we are patient enough to hold on, uh, you know, or withdraw that offer after a certain amount of time, I, I'm, I find that's probably the most I, interesting question. I have to say... I, I had the fortune of bumping into Wilf last week in, at uh, Ibiza Airport, and um, nice. very nice, and a very nice you way to... Stag, no, I was not on his stag, though. I'm, I'm not Huge Danny the kit man. I did, I did say hello to Danny the kit man as well, who was... Or Danny, the no longer kit man. Um, yeah. But Wilf was very relaxed. Um, that may be because he was desperate to go home the last day of his stag do, but he doesn't strike me as a man with the weight of a massive decision on his shoulders and, and, you know, hopefully that decision comes sooner rather than later, but he certainly seems okay and comfortable in himself if he's, you know, willing to, to wait to make such a massive decision. And, um, you know, he, he, he certainly was a man on the flight home from his tag do and, uh, he was polite enough, but I, I think he would have rather gone under the radar and, uh, he, uh, yeah, he didn't have too much to say. Um, and, uh, but I did meet, yeah, two, two thirds of AFC Croydon's new ownership. Uh, Stormzy must have uh, must have been hiding somewhere, but um, he doesn't get he doesn't get he, he gets private jets. Well, surprise! Well, we'll we'll man of the people. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very nice. Um, but yeah, congratulations to him. He's he's living his best life at the moment, and uh, dare I say he's probably frequenting another airport as we speak before he goes on his honeymoon. So he's taking his time. Um, uh, how long can we wait though? When when when, when would Steve Parrish be pushing that? that dial and asking him to, to make a decision that that while it's a decision that he can make at his own time, there is an impact for Palace and you know it's a significant yeah. amount of money that we are putting aside for him. And if it's not to be allocated to him, then we need to be spending it elsewhere to, to improve the squad. So I, I do wonder what that deadline will be. I've absolutely no idea, but you think maybe another couple yeah. of weeks maximum. Yeah. Cause you think if you're, 
I, I know of three, uh, football, former footballers who their game in the summer, if they were a free agent, would be to kind of wait it out, sk- avoid the kind of really awful bits of pre-season and then wait till deadline, close to deadline as possible or even um, after deadline day if they've got the kind of, if they can hold out, you know, if they're resolved strong enough and just see increasing desperation of clubs to really, you know, as the trolley dashes and all the the, the merry-go-round begins, they can almost get a better deal and avoid all the stresses of pre-season by kind of waiting to see all the cards for various targets. And they, so Wilf might be, have a situation where he's going, I'm kind of hoping PSG's <laughs> plans fall apart. And if I'm still there ready and waiting with my passport on, you know, August the 4th, maybe, you I'm know, ready to go. I mean, I'm pretty good. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, I don't think I, I, something tells me we would wait around as long as possible, but we probably shouldn't. Loss. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say that. I don't think, um, I, I don't think there's a deadline from Palace. I think they would, given it's Wilf, probably, I think, I think the, um, the, the ball's in Wilf's court, I think, and he, I think he holds all the cards. It's going to be that, that guy um, who's waiting for the club lights to turn on at the end of the night. It's a bit, bit desperate, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> You have my sympathy, um, Crystal Palace but, Football Club. <laughs> been there many times. <laughs> and I didn't go back with 200 grand of Crystal Palace. <laughs> um, looking, looking at the teams, though, with all, like, with all due respect to those teams, and I don't want to be that fan on that podcast, but like, I think if, you're, if you know you've got a 200 grand a week, as reported, deal from Palace on the table... Or Lazio, Fenerbahce, and El Nasser. Given that leaving Palace was supposed to be about European football mm. and Champions League and big trophies and stuff, you'd look at that. Sure, if that's the best that whoever's around him can come up with, sure you'd think, what's the what's well? Let's the just there, you know, it, and only one of them offers Champions League. Absolutely, football. yeah. Um, Fenerbahce are. I don't. I, I don't know. With I'm trying to work it out. They're only eligible. They're in conference league this season, but I, they finished sort of top two, top three in Turkey last season. So I don't really understand whether that's like a some sort of ban. The or Turkish what, coefficient has never been lower. Right. I guess so. Well, I mean, look at you. Look at the top scorers <laughs> in Turkey. Put it this way: Yannick Belazzi's in the second tier of Turkey and scored like. 15, 20 league goals. Probably got about four goals in as many years for Palace. Um, most of them in one game. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I, so I feel like that would be a huge club to play for, Fenerbahce. Atmosphere, yeah, yeah. rabid. I mean, anyone following on social media would have noticed that their fans are absolutely inescapable on anything Wolf. Um, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the BBS for years was this uh, build as, like, the best the biggest English club uh, fans forum on the internet. And they couldn't say the world. They were second in the world, but Fernabache were like tenfold in terms wow. of uh, their, their, their kind of their size of their message boards online. And it's just, they just seem to be everywhere all over the kind of anything that mentions Zahar. And I imagine playing for them must be really exciting, but equally a nightmare when it's not going well. Um, so that I can understand the law of playing in there, but if, if his objective is Champions League football, the only offer there is Lazio, mm. who aren't the most pleasant club. I the idea of him playing for Lazio is 
something else, to be honest. Yeah. For and, a man uh, who has stood for everything that he stood for in the last few years, well, all of his career, if he yeah, ends up playing they're, for... They're, they're not the most pleasant people, <laughs> no, are they? So. No. So, uh, so that leaves you with... Uh, although it is Champions League football, if you try and just narrow the focus to football, yeah. it's Maurizio Sarri, it's, you know, some really exciting stuff and, and he'd have a great time mm. playing on there, I imagine. Al Nazir, does he get romantic and think about playing with Ronaldo? Is that is that worth it enough or do you want to just get that same money being at home where you, with your family where you have been for the last 10 years? I mean, if you, Would you want to up move the same you money? Follow, if you follow the odds, Palace are still the most likely destination for him to, to be at at the start of next season and, and you know, the odds are pretty good, could guide um, in terms of where he might end up. But PSG are still very highly uh, offered as well, offer you know decent value. So I don't know. I, I still think. That... Do you think? Do you, do you think? Do you think you're fan? You know, Mr. Football Clichés, <laughs> uh, Jackie. Do, do you think that that leak to Sky was a huge come and get me plea? I think uh, Herb Zaha might be running out of. Pages in his playbook, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. The other yeah. thing to say, the other thing there. to say with with Sky Sports, they aren't often the leading. They're not leading breaking news very often in in the kind of the modern football game. So it might be Sky Sports themselves trying to kind of get ahead of the game and kind of create the story and, and let others follow because you know in in the era of Fabrizio Romano, it, it's not very often Carve Solicol who's yeah. leading the the kind of the press anymore. So. Um, <laughs> Dolmeth Chef will have his day one once a, once again Sunday, but I don't know if it's going to be yeah, Wilfred Zaha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that, that reminds me. I googled Lance Cronin earlier, and What's um, he is he still playing? Stop playing in 2015. Oh no, Lance! And that was that was at Whitehawk, which was oh, which would be proper non-league. Yeah. Uh, and, and in 2012, he set up a paint and property oh. uh, maintenance company called Repainted. So, oh, Lance. Hey, and is this route. a sponsor? <laughs> Jim, Lance, if you're Jim would be willing to have a conversation, Lance. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, do you think as well that Finnabachi fans sing uh, largest online football fan forum in the world? You'll never sing that because that's definitely. Uh, they don't. They should. They should. They definitely. They've got nothing should. else to celebrate at the moment. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I just think listening to you guys talk, I just think uh, 30, 31 year old Wilf because he'd be thirty one in a couple of months. With a young family, just married. Are, are you? We know he's a he's a London boy, close to his family. Are you really moving to Rome or to Turkey or Saudi? <laughs> yeah, I think, I, well, <laughs> yeah, I think Rome is quite appealing. Um, okay, <laughs> I think all of that's quite appealing, given the lifestyle he'd be able to lead wherever he wants to be. It's not necessarily. I do think the the lure of staying in in London is is a great one for him, and you know, clearly he holds family and, and, and their happiness close to his um, close to his decision making so I do think you know this four year deal as well it's quite something it's a lot I mean Jim he is money. famously 30 until he is 31 so therefore this deal would run until he's 34 Very not true. 35 so um, I, I, I think it's an amazing offer that he's kind of cultivated from the club and he's he's, he's played a gamble to leave it this late and the, the club have come to the table with a with what sounds like a very, very attractive offer. But, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk more, Will, over the next few weeks. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll hear sooner rather than later. I hope it's sooner rather than later because, you know, as yeah. much as we all love Wilfred Zaha, 
he is not bigger than the club and, and our fortunes on the pitch will be dictated one way or the other by whichever way we um, we find ourselves with Wilf. You know, that, that, that decision yeah. needs to be made so we can kind of look after ourselves. Either we secure the services of our greatest ever player or we're able to use significant resource that we were allocating in his direction for the for the benefit of, of kind of the wider playing squad. So, big do, do you think, the, um, given what we saw a couple of years ago when Wilf signed that five-year deal and there was a picture of him on the yacht with Steve, that when Wilf's on his honeymoon, he'll be looking over his shoulder and there might be Steve popping up in the hotel bar in the swimming pool. I have <laughs> Trying to slip a brown paper bag towards uh, him. Lam- laminated contract. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a slightly, on a slightly, on a slightly, I'm trying to be a serious point, I, as well as the wedding, which I imagine we would have given, yeah. uh, you know, him some room for, and Stag, I guess. I, I, I just remembered his. I think it's one of his, his brothers brother. passed away yeah. in the last sort of week to ten days as well. Yeah. Which, if you look on Instagram, I believe that's his profile picture. So you could imagine a Steve Parish. I think most of us would kind of go. Do you know you what? Take your time. We'll ring you. Yeah. We'll ring you in a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah. Like so. Yeah. Get, if you need anything, yeah. we're here. But we're not gonna. We're not gonna be hammering your phone. Hundred percent. Really feel right. Hundred percent, Joe. So yeah, maybe maybe that factors it. We will maybe that you know, there's still yeah. surprises as to where his head's at. You know, oh, I think that's completely fair, completely fair. And I think actually we should probably wrap up this 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 uh, Twitter space part two. We're going to put it out as a podcast as well. So if you're listening on the pod, uh, thanks for listening. Just really quickly to wrap up, uh, one of the FYP team has said that uh, Lance Cronin tried to sell him Herbalife. <laughs> so nice. Good luck to you, Lance, <laughs> wherever you are. Um, that's it. Thanks for coming on for this part two. And uh, thank you to everyone, uh, our panellists from part one as well. Good to get everyone's reaction. I think everyone's feeling pretty okay at the moment. But as we said, some lots of things to be worked out in the next few weeks over the summer. And then in two weeks' time, I think Palace back in action um, against Barnet in their first pre-season friendly. Oh, I can't wait so. for the meltdown. Oh, six two at Barnet or something. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that meltdown's for two weeks away, mate. Not oh, long wait. to go. Bring, bring it on. <laughs> Right, we're back again soon, so keep an eye on your feed for more episodes. Until then, take care, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.